Hey guys, my name is Crystal Kenny, and I'm in love with creating. All things artistic and imagination involved. I'm an American girl who chased her creative dreams all the way to Paris, France, making a living using photography. This podcast takes you inside the stories of all the artsy folks I've met along the way and gives you that extra push to discover your creative gifts. The desire to create is deeply inside each and every one of us, and I give you the tools and inspiration to find a new way of living a more creative life. This is La Vie Creative, the podcast. Claudine Hemingway is a descendant of famed writer Ernest Hemingway. We bumped into each other at a party and decided to team up and dive deep into French history, but with a twist, by bringing a spotlight to those lesser-known creatives in France. This is History with a Hemingway. So welcome back to Paris History Epic at Hemingway. I'm back with Claudine, and this is our third installment of Marie Antoinette. We've covered a lot of information, but this is getting down to the sad part of the history where the French Revolution happens, and a lot of information comes out of this episode. So I'm going to let Claudine jump in with the French Revolution and what happened to Marie. I think we all know. Sadly, we do all know kind of how it ends. So there's, you know, we don't want to do a spoiler alert, but it's <laughs> did so great. <laughs> that was like when my dad watched the movie Titanic. Actually, he didn't watch it. And he was like, I'm not going to watch it because I know how it ends. The boat sinks. But there's much more than that to this episode of Marie. <laughs> yes, there's much more to that. Uh, but yeah, so for <laughs> my internet, towards uh, 1789 is when things started to get pretty serious in the spring the estate general had opened up and when they started speaking, uh, one of the, one of the men just had this brutal attack against her, like just saying these horrible, horrible things. It was after the affair of the necklace, you know, she was in a lot of ways, you know, I think that she was just a big scapegoat for a lot of things that a lot of things are blamed on her. So, mm -hmm. you know, the, the general, the estate general was just, you know, just railing against her. It was pretty horrible. So just June on June 4th, that same year, their um, oldest son, the Dauphin, Louis Joseph, died in prison. He No, he they weren't arrested yet. So he was only eight years old. So this was their very first son that they had. So mm -hmm. their second child's first son. So he ended up dying. He had a lot of um, I'm actually writing about it today because it is June 4th. So he, but he ended up having, he had a lot of issues. Like he ended up having like, they built like a, basically kind of like a, a metal, like in the, well, how would I say it? Like, uh, like not like crutches, but like a, a whole system that would basically hold his body up mm -hmm. and he kind of had like a wheelchair that he was attached to so he could get around. So he had, he had issues for a really long time. He died when he was eight years old. Oh, that's so sad. So I guess we don't really know what disease he had, but basically he wasn't able to walk. Yeah. And they had, there's a really sad painting um, of that they had done with him in, that when he was a baby and with the, with the family, with all, all four kids. And they ended up later going and like covering him up, like painting. Oh, they just erased him. Yeah. It's pretty sad. That's super sad. Uh, yeah. So he, but they, because of everything that was happening and the, with the estate general, they couldn't have a service for him like they would like to. They couldn't have a big, you know, a big service in the church. They couldn't do a big burial at Saint Denis. So they ended up like just basically having to kind of just keep it to themselves and just kind of mourn the loss of their son on their own. And then, you know, they, he was sent to Saint Denis where he was later buried, but you know, they couldn't be seen spending all this money. 
Mm -hmm. with everything happening. Yeah, with everything going on. So Marie Antoinette, um, at that time, she started to kind of panic. So this is, you know, this is now the summer of 1789. She kind of started to panic. She was burning her paper. She was, you know, gathering up her jewelry. She was sending some of it off to family members in Austria. She was trying to convince Louis, like, we need to leave. Like, we need to leave Versailles. And go mm-hmm. someplace else, but he didn't want to. He, why did he? Did we ever find out why? He just believed he didn't need to. He didn't think he needed to, and he wanted you know to stay with his country. As we know, he should have left. <laughs> Bad idea. Bad idea. Yeah. So at the beginning of October, on October first and October third of seventeen eighty nine, two huge banquets um, were held in in Versailles, and one of them was organized by the bodyguards and the military and they had this huge banquet and then two days later they had another huge one for the um, Flanders regiment that had come down to Versailles and so they had these huge parties well this gets back to the people of Paris and they are not happy because the people in Paris are like starving they don't have food they don't have bread they're really hungry and here they are at Versailles just living in the lap of luxury having this giant party with you know endless food and wine Mm, yeah, that's not looking good for the people. <laughs> that's, not, that's not really a deal. Especially like, you know, if that was n- now, they would know instantly that's happening. I don't think they they probably, you know, it probably took a little bit for the word to get to Paris that that was happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least they had a little more time on their hands without Instagrams yeah. showing off their lavish dinner. Exactly. So then two days later, on October 5th, a rally was held in front of the Hotel de Ville, and they wanted to go there and challenge the government that was in the Hotel de Ville about everything that was happening because, you know, they again, they have no food. So mm-hmm. this, this group of like a thousand people broke into the Hotel de Ville and stole more than 600 weapons. Wow. Yeah. So then they were not happy. So first thing before dawn, several thousand women decide to leave and to march to Versailles. The women let it. Yeah, the women let it. Interesting. Is that because everyone hated Marie Antoinette? They're like, let's go get the lady. Well, part of it was that they thought that, you know, they're not, the guards are not going to, you know, instantly attack if it's a bunch of women. So Mm -hmm. they they thought that it'd be a little bit safer sending the women in than they would be sending, you know, the men right to there. And the men or the women were the ones that were like in Leal and they were the ones in the, you know, in the in the stores trying to like, we don't have any food for our families. Mm -hmm. They're the ones feeding everybody they know firsthand. So in for it took over five hours of them walking in the pouring rain. So now we know how long it takes to walk to Versailles from yes. Paris, guys. If you yeah. don't want to take the RER, five hours. <laughs> I are. Maybe it'd be a little quicker now because maybe there's like some paved roads and things. <laughs> <laughs> Not walking through the forest. Actually, it might be more difficult now because there's cars everywhere. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I think that there are like companies that actually you could ride your bike out to there, which just, I don't know. I just envisioned like going down the Paris-free on your bike. <laughs> Sounds like you want to kill yourself. Yeah, that does not <laughs> sound good. Terrifying. No. So once they arrived to Versailles, they went to the National Assembly and they had a spokesperson that was on their behalf, and his name was Stanislav Maillard. And he went in there and demanded bread and flour and to open up the the causeway to let the people come in and to bring the flour. Because at the same time, they were like, we don't understand why there's a problem. Like there was Mm -hmm. plenty of flour at that time. There was plenty of wheat. There was plenty of all these things. Why wasn't it in Paris? We still kind of don't know from everything I've ever read. Oh, really? Because I thought it was that they had a bad harvest that year and there was a shortage in general, but I guess that wasn't true. They had enough. 
they had enough, but it just wasn't coming into Paris. So they ended up going and the assembly leader actually went to the king and took like 12 of the women with them. And so they didn't know this. And one of the women like at the side of the king, like fainted. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so they're in Versailles and the, and the and Louis the 16th is just like, yes, I totally agree. He signed the papers and said, yes, let's, you know, let's do this. Let's get this in there. So, but then overnight, all of the, all of these people and protesters. So after the women came, then there was more, like men and they were bringing, you know, they were bringing carts filled with people and like a cannon and all of this stuff came in. Well, they were all standing outside of Versailles all night, picketing and yelling while, you know, the Royal families and they're sleeping. And at six in the morning on October 6th, they finally get, they get so fed up that they um, get into an altercation with some of the guards and they just storm through the gate get into Versailles and then demand the queen. So they're in there and they're like yelling, you know, we need to see the queen. We want to see her. And, you know, they're terrified because, you know, she, they also killed two of her guards that were, you know, the, their sole job was to keep her safe. They killed Great her. job guys. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, this is a big thing they like to do back then was like cut off their head and then put it on a stick. And carry it around, which is so gross. It's so sounds like even more terrifying. You get an angry mob, and then your bodyguard's head is on a stick. Not yeah. good news for you. Yeah, no, I'd be like, wouldn't want to be anywhere underneath that stick. <laughs> <laughs> so they finally, so they were screaming and calling for her, and so finally she decides, I'm going to go out there, and she goes out on the balcony all by herself and just stands there. And you know, they were basically like calling for her arrest, calling for her death. You know, like it had to be terrifying. I can't even imagine, especially since she had kids. I mean, she still had two other kids to fend for and her husband. That just sounds terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they were in their rooms. And the great thing about Versailles, when you go to Versailles, if you look closely, there's all these kind of hidden doors in in most of the rooms. And, you know, it's it looks just like the wall. It's got the same molding. It's got the same, you know, wallpaper. But you could tell, you know, if you look closely, it's a door. And those doors all have back passages. And so she was able to take with her kids to run through the back passages to get to Louis the 16th's room. When they got there, the door was locked. They couldn't get in. And so they were just banging and yelling and screaming until somebody finally heard them and they were able to get out. But the crowd demanded, they were like, no, we, you know, you need to come out. We want you out here. So, so we can like rip you apart and cut your head off. Yeah. So they were like, we want you back in Paris. We want to be able to keep an eye on you. So, you know, get out here. So at 11 a.m. on October 6th, they all ended up getting into these carriages and they left Versailles for the very last time. So did they go with the crowd or they were making a run for escape? They went through the crowd because with the crowd was all of, also a bunch of different, you know, revolutionists, you know, military members that were just like, you know, like, no, we're taking you back. Oh, so the, like it was kind of government yeah, as yeah. well that were saying, look, you got to be in Paris. Stop hanging out in your beautiful castle. Yeah. It wasn't just, you know, 2000, these angry men and women going, get over here. <laughs> <laughs> Go outside. Yeah. I think that would be terrifying. But, you know, once they, so they went to Paris and they were, they put them up into the Palais de Tuileries that was there, you know, at the end of the, that was, you know, joined the Louvre on, at, for one time. And the mayor of Paris met them there and they greeted them and they gave them a key to the city. And, you know, everything was okay. Everything was, oh. you know, everything was fine. They were staying in there. There was people watching them and they were, they were doing, you know, okay. 
for two years. Two years they were like, oh, I didn't realize it was yeah. so close together. I thought they stormed the castle, took them out, and bam, you're dead. But this was two years of them hanging out in the Tuileries castle. Yeah, so they were in the Tuileries and they were there. And, um, you know, this, I mean, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't exactly life at Versailles. But, you know, they were still in, you know, a palace. And, you know, they were still, it wasn't, you know, horrible. So, uh, but they, you know, all at the same time, they did, they were just like, we want to be out, we want out of here. So, you know, for a while, like a lot of people suggested that they, you know, escape. And so finally, Marie Antoinette and her friend, and I think lover, Alexander <laughs> She had him um, help organize a escape for them. And so she put people, you know, there was people that he would trust and she would trust to get together to, you know, create this plan for them to go up to the north of France, where there was still like a lot of people that were um, royalists that still believed in the crown, that still believed in Louis XVI. They thought they could get there and they'd be they'd be safe. So she had Alex, you know, put this whole thing together. He made this like really, really fancy coach for them to travel in that even had a bathroom. I mean, it was like, you know, an you were living the RV life. <laughs> it was an 18th <laughs> RV. That's right. <laughs> they ended up like they, they, they had this whole thing planned. They were supposed to leave on June 19th, 1791. But then she canceled it at the last minute because she had one of her, her ladies that was also, she was like, no, she's kind of, you know, a pro revolutionist. And she's like, no, I think we should wait. And, you know, Alex is just kind of like, you know, back then it's like, they put a lot of work to get mm -hmm. all these people along the route that on the way there that they were supposed to be, you know, the manning it. So that when they got there, they could switch out the horses that they could do all these things. And here at the last minute, she's like, well, yeah, let's wait a day. Oh, yeah. That's so stupid. And where were they trying to get to anyway? It was a little tiny town in the like the northeast of France. Mm, so they thought they'd be safer in the northeast of France than in Paris. Yeah, because the people there were like still really supportive of him. Mm -hmm. um, where, you know, a lot of the country was getting farther and farther away from actually supporting them. You know, more it was actually not supporting her. Mm -hmm. he, he still wasn't really thought of as this horrible, horrible person. So Marie was taking all the heat. Yeah. Oh, she took all the heat. Yeah, for sure. So, because he didn't really do anything. <laughs> you know, I mean, she wasn't, you know, she wasn't perfect in it, but like I said, but you know, I think she's, she definitely is a scapegoat. I think mm -hmm. everything gets blamed on her when, you know, not all of it was her fault. Yeah. Yeah. So, but they, you know, had this whole thing planned out. They ended up like, you know, okay, we're going to, they had them dress up uh, as like servants and so they didn't obviously look like, you know, the king and queen of France. Louis the 16th before he went to sleep, his um his main his main man would um sleep close to him with a with a um string attached to Louis the 16th's wrist. So whenever Louis would get up or move that that his man would be like, "Oh, you know, what you know, what do you need? What do you need?" So Louis had to do this whole thing, you know, and his bed luckily had curtains on it. And so, you know, the guy went down and laid down and he took the, he had to take the string off of his, his wrist and he kind of tied it to his bed, you know, just like, you know, as kids, you might, you know, stick, <laughs> stick the pillow under the, <laughs> the blanket. Yeah. I had no idea he was tied to a dude. Yeah. So anytime, I mean, oh, so strange, but yeah. So anytime he'd get up, they'd be like, you know, oh, what do you need, sir? What do you need? They had to dress up as like, you know, basically, you know, common people. And they all took these different identities. Alex von Fersen had passports made for them with different people's names on it. They were supposed to be this family. They were on their way back to Russia. 
Um, and they, you know, like you, the daughters uh, and also, or their son and daughter, and then also Louis XVI's sister, Madame Elizabeth. And so they all, you know, they all are supposed to leave. They all kind of left the Tuileries at different times. Like she took one of the children, he took the other, but they were supposed to meet this one place. Well, Mary, Marie Antoinette got lost on the way. Typical it's, woman. It's like, like the Tuileries is, you know, basically, you know, it's not there anymore, but it's basically at the end of the loop. She was basically supposed to go like three blocks. Oh, and she got lost. She got lost. And so because of that, then they go, They she finally gets there. They were in this teeny tiny coach that wouldn't attract a lot of attention. So they go to this other place to get to the big fancy RV. <laughs> <laughs> And at this point, like they're not there yet. They're just like, where, where, you know, where's the coach? We have, we need to go. By the time they showed up, they ended up putting them three hours behind schedule. Oh, they messed everything up. It's so important. I know. It's just like you, this now you just read this and you're like, oh, that's three hours. Maybe they could have saved your life. Yeah. So so they ended up leaving. They ended up going through these little different towns. They stop at one, the Ville Maison. This little tiny town and the innkeeper innkeeper thinks, huh, that guy looks kind of like this guy that's on my coin in my pocket. And, you know, they just leave. They go on to the next place. They get to the next town and the postmaster sees them and also recognizes the king. And then that's when he like let the, the gendarmes know and let the military know. And then the word got back to Paris. So they didn't get very far, it sounds no. like. No. And Louis had left like a like a 16 page letter on his bed that they found, you know, the next day. So when they, you know, later on that day, when they woke up, when everybody else woke up, they realized they were all gone. So they knew they were gone. What did that letter say? Just like, oh, sorry for leaving guys, got stuff to do. It had all sorts of stuff about, you know, his love of France and his love of his country and the love of his people. And, you know, it's a very, uh, I think there's actually a copy of it in the, um, there's the Musée Archives, I think it is. That's right. It's really close to the Carnavalet. And mm-hmm. they have like, nobody ever goes in there. It's really amazing. And they have a bunch of different, like they actually have a copy of a letter that Marie Antoinette wrote. Oh, interesting. Um, I mean, it's not the original they have up in the case, but you know, it looked, I mean, it looks like it is. It doesn't look like it's a photocopy. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but it's really, really interesting. So, but anyway, so they ended up, it's, you know, two days later, the word got to Paris. And so then they said, you know, the National Guard went there and they're like, we're bringing them back. Once they got back, then they were under like complete lock and key. Like, you know, they were watched at all times. Somebody was with them all time. So they're back in the Tuileries. And then just a couple months later, the people get mad again. And they so they storm in through the Tuileries and they basically just like are looking for them. They killed all the Swiss guards that were there to watch the family. The family was actually able to get out and they ran, ran through the Tuileries and got to the National Assembly, which is, you know, just right kind of opposite the Place de la Concorde. Yeah, not far at all, really. No, so they ended up being able to hide there. He was still treated like they gave him wine. They gave him all this food. And basically, Marie Antoinette and her children, they were just kind of like, they could have cared less. So it was, a you know, but as they left, that was basically the end of it. As they're basically running through, that's the end of the monarchy. That's the end of everything. And why were the people angry again? Because they were mad they had tried to escape. Things weren't getting better in Paris still. They still didn't have enough food. Yeah, they still, I mean, they were really mad that they escaped because they thought, you know, like, you know, we, we did this. We brought you to Paris. You know, we're giving, you know, this, we, we still. Second can- chance. We're giving you this chance and you guys basically so blatantly were like, you know, peace out. (laughs) Yeah. Later. 
Go We're out of here. Anymore. Uh, yeah. Do you have any information about why they wanted to leave? Like they just want to get back to Versailles. They didn't want to be the king and queen anymore. Like why did they leave? I think that they knew that things were gonna like you know they weren't in a good situation. I think that they knew things were just gonna get worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you know they just wanted to be able to be free. You know, it's funny, like over time, so many of them have done this, you know, Napoleon III, you know, all of these, you know, there's so many of these rulers that just were like, we're, we're out of here, they'd run off. I mean, you know, Charles de Gaulle did the same thing. He ran off to London, you know, where he, you know, and that's where he kind of did everything from World War II from the side of France. But, you know, so many of them were just like, we're leaving. <laughs> yeah, we're done with this. Well, I think if I had some dude tied to me at all times, I'd be like, yeah, I think I'm over the whole king thing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. just gonna live the yeah. peasant life. Yeah, literally tied to you all the time. <laughs> yeah, like simple life. I don't need anybody in my bathroom time. Like, no, not cool. No. But the next day after that, they were taken to the temple prison. And then that's when things got started to get pretty bad. So they were taken to the temple prison. And then just a few months later, well, in January, on January 21st, 1793, um, Louis the 16th was beheaded. Mm. So, so it was pretty quickly after. Yeah, he was pretty quickly. It was pretty quickly after. So there, you know, at that time, Marie Antoinette, his sister, Madame Elizabeth, and their son and daughter all together in the prison. And so they were all able to still be together. They actually ended up having like, they ended up having like very close. They actually had like a really nice time that they were able to spend with the whole family. And they would che- teach the children geography and all these other things. And, you know, that, it was nice for them to actually finally be together. Horrible situation, mm-hmm. of course. But then later that summer, the Dauphin, who now, you know, now he's technically Louis the Seventeenth in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. you know, if they recognized a king, he was taken from Marie Antoinette. He was moved into a cell down below. And this shoemaker named Simon was basically kind of trying to teach him. They were worried that, you know, like, okay, well, he's now, you know, technically Louis the Seventeenth. We need to try to change, you know, he's just a little boy. They're like, we need to change his thoughts. We need to basically brainwash him mm-hmm. into the Republic ideals and everything. So they kept him separate from her. She wasn't able to see him at all. Later on, at the beginning of August, Marie Antoinette was then taken the temple prison and taken to the conciergerie. It was the last time she got to see, the day before was the last time she got to see either one of her children or her sister-in-law and was taken to the conciergerie, which they used to call the anti-chamber of death. Oh, does not sound promising. No. So she was placed in a cell and um, she actually, while she was at the conciergerie, she was actually treated better than she was ever treated at the temple. The guards would use their own money and buy her flowers. They would go and get food for her. They'd bring her food. And she was, you know, treated much better. She even had a dog. <laughs> Why were they nice to her? What changed? Yeah, I think that they, you know, I they think I think they felt pretty sorry for her. She had become at that point, you know, everything we had talked about in early episodes about her, you know, her mother, who was kind of a monster, you know, everything that her mother wanted her to become, Marie Antoinette ended up becoming during this time. She ended up like how, you know, how to, you know, basically carry herself, what was important, you know, the role of being, you know, the queen of France, all of these things, you know, to get rid of all of her frivolous notions. Like she never would read a book before. 
But once she got to the concierge, she was reading everything. Like she just had a much different way of looking at her life. And it was mm-hmm. kind of what her mother had always wanted her to do. She grew up in prison. Yeah, she had to grow up. <laughs> what about her mother? Did they try to do anything during this time? Do we know if her mom was trying to break her out or something? Her mom had passed away. Her mom had passed away a few years before that, but she, you know, had reached out to um, her family in Austria and she was trying to get back to, you know, trying to convince them to get her and to take her back. Her one brother ended up, you know, that was the emperor of, of Austria ended up dying. So then they were, she was kind of, you know, at that point they kind of didn't really care. Oh, it's terrible. So she's basically abandoned by her family and her new country. Yeah. And there was a couple like different, like there was a, that was called the carnation plot where this, um, this one man wanted to try to break her out. So he came in to see her and he had brought a carnation and it was wrapped. A note was wrapped around it and he left it for her. And he said, like, don't worry, we're going to come get you out. I'm going to bring money. We're going to give it to the guards, you know, bribe them. And then one of the guards ended up deciding he reported it because he was terrified that, you know, he'd be killed. So it ended up kind of like that. You know, they told that they, she, she routed, he routed her out. And then basically like she was in this one cell and if you go to the concierge you could go see the two different cells she was in and it's just like kind of heartbreaking but the first one she was in didn't even have like a door it had like a curtain and it had a bed for one of the ladies that kept an eye on her and, and one for the guards and she was you know pretty free to move around as much as you possibly can in that situation but after the plot happened they moved her to another one which basically had a tiny tiny window that had bars on it so she could just be I mean, it was basically like you know 12 by 12 Mm. you look out there and then at that point you know they took everything they took her jewelry from her her ring they took anything like even took candles from her pens and paper they took everything from her so she became a real prisoner before it was kind of like the holiday inn (laughs) and then she moved into a motel six yeah it was it was the martha Stewart prison there for a little bit (laughs) but you know she at this point you know this is you know also towards you know getting towards the end so she you know by that october she was on trial and they took her on trial, which, you know, was kind of a, a, a farce to begin with because she was going to be convicted no matter what. Even the jury, you know, at the time was just basically like, even if they didn't agree, they were told like, you know, if you don't basically convict her, you will die too. So she ended up having to go to trial. A few weeks before she went to trial, Simon, the shoemaker, I sent a letter to the court saying that the Dauphin had confessed that his mother and his aunt had sexually abused him, slept with him, just horrible, horrible things. So they convinced this little boy to say these things about his mother. How old was the little boy? He was only like like nine years, eight, nine years old. Oh, it's so sad. Yeah. So she, they convinced him to say all these things. They ended up going to trial. She didn't know anything about this until they were at trial when they announced mm. it. And she just was like, you know, at that point she got up and said, you know, she looked at the ladies in the court and said, I am a mother. You have, you know, like, you know, I could not have done this to my son. And some of the women were actually really touched by it, but the court just was like, nope, we don't care. Yeah. This is what we're here to do. We're going to behead you. Yeah. So, you know, it it only took her two days, like two days later, you know, this was uh, her trial started on the 12th by the 15th. She was convicted. And on the 16th, the the next morning, next day is when she was going to get killed. That's so sad. I feel like there's a little more information about what happens when she actually walks up there that we should save for our next episode. 
there, there is a, yeah, there is a lot. There's a quite a bit of information. So I think that's a good place to end for today because you need to know what happens when she walks up those steps and also what happens to her children. I mean, I'm fascinated about what happened to the, the royal children after all this. So tune in next week to hear the rest of the story. Thank you for listening to Paris History Avec A. Hemingway. If you want to find out some more, you can always find me on my Instagram page, Claudine Bleu Blanc Rouge, and that's B-L-E-U, as in the French way to spell it. And each day I post a daily history lesson about a person or a place or something in Paris, or it's lots of fun facts. And then also at ClaudineHemingway.com, where you can also sign up for my newsletter there.